Welcome to Podsave Africa, from Cape Town to Cairo, from Djibouti to Dakar, from mm. Morocco to Madagascar, mm. from Somalia to Senegal, mm. from Burundi to Benin, and mm. from Osaka to Lagos. Welcome to Podsave Africa. Podsave Africa. Welcome to 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 Podsave Africa. It's your girl, Queen, and today I'm joined by... I can't do it. I do really. We're back in this. we back. we back. We are here. Awesome. Hello. Hi. How are awesome. you? Hi, Kenny. How are you doing today? You know what? We thank God. <laughs> Not bad, huh? <laughs> we are alive and well. That's We're alive and well. There's always yeah. something to be thankful for. It is. It is. That's true. That's true. I did not take it for granted at all. And it's, it's awesome. So, um, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. A little sore. Getting that new year better me goes mm. in check. Working new on year, it. New, me, but new year better me. <laughs> well, trying, trying a little bit of that. So. Sore. Sore good. to say the least. Good one. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Well, <laughs> well, excellent. Well, guys, it's a pleasure to be back with you all. Um, it's a new year. I think this is our first. Uh, this is our first new news update of the year. Yeah, it's coming in February. Um, we had so much action packed, so many action packed episodes that we gave you guys last month. Two precisely, um, one on climate change and and the energy market, and then the second on Nigeria's closed book borders. Um, of course, we love doing our, our news updates, and and for us, you know, I actually Ankar is the one who busted in and, and reminded me that we need to get this done ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we have to, you know, give, keep you guys posted as to all the things going on on the content that we understand. So, um, we generally try to cover both a mix of very popular stories that are in the public sphere and stories that may be lesser well known, right? So, um, can do you want to do the first one or should I? I could, I could, I think I could give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. I have to take a deep sigh before the story. Mm. <sighs> Okay, first story is coming out of Lesotho. Um, Lesotho, Lesotho. Um, the Lesotho First Lady faces a murder trial of the PM's ex-wife. So the Lesotho First Lady is the PM's current wife, and she's currently facing a murder trial against the PM's ex-wife. She's to be formally charged in court with, um, with murdering the PM's previous wife. The First Lady, Maziata Bing, handed herself in to be questioned by police in the Southern African Mountain, Mountain Kingdom. So the South of, for those of you who don't know, is in Southern Africa. It's actually in um, South Africa. It's like surrounded by South Africa somehow, right? Um, yes, yes, it is. So it's a tiny, small, tiny country on, in the Southern part of Africa. The mm-hmm. Prime Minister himself, Thomas Tabin, has also been questioned about the killing. His estranged wife, Lipolelo Tabin, was shot dead outside her home in the capital, Missouri, two days before his inauguration in 2017. So this was a crime that was committed a few years ago, and now um, they found someone to put through trial for it. The couple were involved in bitter divorce proceedings at this time, at the time of his inauguration in 2017. So the attack was originally blamed on unknown armed men. You know how we do it. 
in Africa sometimes, uh, but recent court papers filed by the country's police commissioner, Olomo Mulibeli, have raised further questions. An arrest warrant was issued for 42-year-old Nizayat Abain on 10 January after she disappeared. Dun dun dun, plot thickens. She was picked from the border with South Africa on Tuesday after an arrangement between her lawyers and police. Police spokesman Mpiti Mupeli told the AFP news agency. Police Commissioner Holomo Molibeli told the BBC that she was being held in custody and would be formally charged in court on Wednesday. Spicy one, isn't it? One. Yeah, we actually got to start it off with the drama. We are messy over here at Passport to Africa. But um, one rest in peace to, to his ex-wife who's, uh, who's, who's uh, dead. Um, yeah. I think that um, I think that that's particularly sad. Regardless, uh, Miss uh, Mrs. Uh, Miss uh, Thabani, um, to her and her family, of course, rest in peace and wish them on the very best in this time. Um, this is quite a loopy one. One, of course, everything is still currently alleged. She's just been um, charged, and, and she's just about to be charged, and she's just been, you know, taken in for for uh, proceedings at the time. It's it's quite um, it's quite really very tough um apparently technically he's 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 still he's he was still you know married he still was married to her she was she was shot in 2017 where she was he was married to her and they were in bitter divorce proceedings both of them are, are currently suspects for the uh, police but this is just sad and, and quite messy actually um so um bit of news bit of drama down south going on yeah, just to add to that, like some of the news articles that covered this story, no, I think one article in particular was like, oh, um, first lady charged murder trial against her rival. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, I mean, I don't know the details, but that was like quite the leap there. <laughs> um, and, but the conspiracy um, person in conspiracist, uh, in me, cannot help but wonder if the prime minister did it and just told us, "Oh yeah, you take the fall for this, or you uh, ride or die." Type thing. Um, who knows? But that's just a conspiracy, guys. Don't take don't take my word on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on to next story, Akeri. Awesome. So um, let's talk about climate. Climate. <laughs> right? It's it's climate has been a big part of our conversation and, and us uh, and the things we've been paying attention to here at Positive Africa for the past couple of weeks. Oyekon recorded a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal episode uh, last week that we shared with you guys. So if you haven't listened to that yet, please, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend that you listen. It's currently one of my favorite episodes. All of the episodes are my favorite episodes, but I really thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um, On that vein, a lot of activism from climate change currently has been done by people that are are younger, some of the younger generation, in fact, could be telling us that, hey, and also I'm part of the younger generation, if you, if you guys couldn't tell. But, um, <laughs> yes. but, um, but um, Miss uh, Vanessa Nakate um, got to have a phenomenal experience going to the, what initially started out as a, a phenomenal experience um, at the World Economic Conference in Davos, Switzerland. Um, she stood along the i mean you have to think about how many important people presidents of countries things of that nature that are that are um that are present at those events the idea basically that all, all these people gather to hear some of the latest ideas um some chalk it up as a, a, a 
meeting of the rich and famous. But um, for folks like, you know, uh, Vanessa to be invited there, I think that it really means that, you know, the, the stories and the things they're sharing are very important at this time. Um, the, the conference is always in Davos, Switzerland. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, uh, what was an incredible event turned out to be very uh, saddening. Um, an AP, an AP uh, photo that was released of her and some of the other climate uh, activists, uh, Greta Thunberg being one of the more popular ones as well, was taken where Vanessa, I believe, was on the left side on, of the photo looking at, looking at them. Um, unfortunately, the AP uh, reported, AP news agency reported it um, and cropped her out of the photo uh, conveniently. Um, this has sparked a fierce debate about uh, representation and race in the media because um, like we said, and we talked about last week, yo, we, we be feeling climate change. We are feeling the effects directly. The Saharaization of, of Western Africa, all of these things are happening live and direct on the African continent. In fact, um, we're feeling it just as bad as anybody is because this is affecting the entire world. Um, so it was just painful to have her uh, cropped out. Um, she, she, she had notes like, you know, she felt like they, they cropped out like she isn't, wasn't there. However, it, it's incredible to see her. Um, she's, she's about 23 years old. Um, it's incredible to see her working um, um, to, 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 to increase diversity even within the climate, climate activism realm. Um, it's unfortunate and important that we don't picture the people fighting for our future as exclusively um, white uh, individuals because it's a diverse people. We Africans are also quite, quite aware, um, and, and Mrs. Nakate is Ugandan, um, we, we are quite aware that, that things are happening, we're fighting for them. Um, and, and she, along with uh, uh, Greta Thunberg, Isabella Axelson, Luisa Neber and Lukina Till were all there and they cropped out, the only person being cropped out. I think it's, it's unfortunate um, and, and, it, it's, 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 and, and like she said, it points to a wider issue of erasure in, in African voices on, on climate action conversation. So um, even though people are doing a generally good thing, it doesn't mean that the, uh, the elements of, of uh, racial prejudice and um, racial insensitivity don't wear their heads even in things as noble as climate, climate activism, regardless of your stance on such issues. So I'm only calling your thoughts. Well, just a point of correction over there. Climate change is affecting the African country worse than every other um, place on point of, on, in the world. Um, it's, and essentially, it's kind of an urban scale because as a continent, we've contributed less to the global emissions mm -hmm. than the other place in the world. But we mm -hmm. have suffered the consequences um, worse than every other place, and we also are least capable of handling it. So to see, to, so to see younger generation taking an interest and being spokespeople and speaking out attending these conferences should be applauded rather than, um, you know, disregarded. And so I think this is, in particular, was why this this story coming out was particularly disheartening to see. Yeah, I really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's because I, I guess I saw the AP photo first and then kind of reeled back to this reversal. Wow, there was somebody else there and it's yeah. conveniently for crop and just, oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess, you know, this is just terrible. Um, I wonder how they can explain that to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they released an official apology and they should, and they, yeah. everyone knows that they would, but, but I, I don't I'm, know what, what was the thought process behind doing that in the first place, you know? Yeah. I don't want to speculate, I just wonder. Yeah, yeah, I think it's insensitivity at minimum and, and, uh, and at worst, um, just, you know, insidious actions. Yes. Anywho, um, let's move on from the bad vibes. Bad yeah. vibes. 
Well, you want to take this one? Should I take this one? You go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, so, you guys know I love talking about demo crazy. Ha ha, so excited. Anyways, um, yeah, yeah. So I love talking about our politics and then our voting and et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot that has been popping on that front this past couple of months. Um, we're going to give you stories from Namibia, Malawi, and Cameroon. Let's start with Namibia. The Supreme Court of Namibia on Wednesday upheld the results of last year's presidential elections. Um, they said that the challengers failed to prove that the ruling party manipulated electronic, electronic uh, votings. However, the opposition party people, including uh, Mr. Uh, Panduleni Itula, Itula, who was the second, uh, the second place candidate, um, 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 came and said, and, and four other opposition party leaders came and said and urged the court to declare the results invalid because, and order a new vote, of course, because they argued that the machines didn't have any paper trail. And it's meant that there was no means of having checks and balances. How do you know the electronic voting machines, wow, electronic <laughs> voting machines actually worked? However, the Chief Justice Peter Shivute ruled that the use of electronic voting machines without a paper trail as decided before the 2014 election was invalid. Um, so future elections must now include a verifiable paper trail. So, but conveniently for this uh, gentleman, Mr. Uh, President Hage Gamegob will continue his second term as he received 46% of, of the votes per those electronic elections. Moving on to Malawi, the precise opposite happened. You know we love ironies over here. Mm. Malawi's constitution Malawi's constitutional court nullified at a May 21st election um, on, on, on February 3rd. That was, that was Monday. And it's ruled that Peter Mutharika Mutharika was unduly elected president. Um, the courts also ruled that new elections have to be held in roughly five months. I think it's 150 days there. Um, it is the first time in the country that a presidential election has been nullified, and it was made by unanimous decision of four judges. I quote, we hold by Justin, Justice Haile Potani, that judge said, we hold that the first, that first respondent was not duly elected as president of Malawi. As a result, we hereby order nullification of the elections. We further order that a fresh election be held in accordance to the law and portion to the directions we will make. That was the leader judge of the panel. Now you may ask, you may ask, why or oh why did these Malawi elections get overturned and nullified by this panel of justices led by Justice Portani? <laughs> I'll tell you, friends. The court said that there was a widespread use of correction fluid to fix the numerous return ballots. And then that was a strong indication that the elections were highly flawed. So basically, people were using white text and, <laughs> and whiting out election ballots. And they also, they also said that the use of duplicate sheets to determine the winner was condemned by the court. So there a lot of irregularities were happening with the voting, um, seeing a lot of whiteout on, on elections and new results. Come on, sorry, come on, fair. Like you can't. I don't know if just a lot of people went in and were like, hmm, I want to vote for this guy. And like halfway through, just like right after it started, they just started to, oh, you know what? I actually want to vote for this other guy. And conveniently happened to have whiteout on them. We're like, oh, wow, I could just 
fix my mistake. <laughs> nudge, nudge, <laughs> nudge, nudge. But the election has been uh, has been rendified, rend rendered, uh, 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 nullified. But this actually puts things in a very weird situation. Um, the court has the case has been in court since August last year. Um, two Kato opposition candidates, uh, Saulos Chilima and Lazarus Chakwera. I pronounced that that like it was Spanish, and I'm so sorry. I know I got that wrong. I, I apologize, Mr. Lazarus Chakwera. Um, he, they sought notification of the elections and highlighted the, the, the irregularities. Um, the court has, has, has ruled that the Malawi Electoral Commission pay costs to the two petitioners. Um, in the election results, Mr. Mutharika was set to have won with 1.9 million votes, representing 38.57%, narrowly ahead of Malawi Congress Party's Chakwera, who came in second with 1.8 million votes. So, of course, in such fine margins, irregularities, of course, could have, could have swayed, uh, uh, swayed the election. Mr. Chilim, Mr. Chilima, who was the vice president during the election in May, contested against his boss, his boss, and came third with one million votes, representing twenty point two four percent. However, now that this is kind of funny, now that the election has been nullified, he has to go back to be vice president with the boss he just contested an election against. So, what <laughs> times that offer that offer is gonna be bad. Imagine pulling up against mighty. <laughs> <laughs> you just be looking at him like you wanted to to, to enter the ground. After <laughs> trying to get his job, after <laughs> trying to get his job, fam. Streets is cold. <laughs> that is so wild. That is so wild. So you just have to. You just be looking at him like. Hey, you know, it's just bands now. Oh God, it's bands. I believe you. We follow your story. So so. So yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a funky story. Um, President Mutharika will continue to rule. Um, he's seventy nine years old, and he was first elected into uh, to office in on May in May twenty fourteen. Um, he has um, he was sworn in for a second term on May thirty first, and uh, um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting one that we have to watch. So guys, uh, listeners, please pay attention. Look up Malawi, see what's going on there. Um, very, very funky situation, I'm sure. A few things will be going on there. Hopefully, this does not affect our ability to govern, govern and the country proceeds in the right direction. The last one we want to touch on, the last piece of election, is from Cameroon. Um, our Cameroonian brothers and sisters are preparing for legislative and municipal elections. Those are scheduled for February 9th. Now, you might ask, Port Saverfic, this is just a municipal election. Why? Why are you covering it? It can't possibly be a big deal. But if you've been listening to us and remain listeners for a long time, you would have understood that we've covered the the, the friction between the English-speaking regions in the in the southwest of the country, where where folks who are separatists who are trying to separate from the rest of Cameroon um, have had friction with the rest of the Cameroonian government, right? Um, the separatists. Yes, yes, they, of the Francophone government, that's correct. So English speaking versus French speaking, Anglophone versus Francophone. So the English, uh, the, the people from the English speaking region have essentially said, you know, hmm, it ain't gonna happen, basically. They said the elections are illegal and they've uh, announced a lockdown, a six day lockdown. Um, the parliamentary and local elections, of course, these are regional elections, the regions are having friction, of course. Um, they have greatly affected. Um, but the elections have already been proposed twice. 
um, because of, of a lot of threats. Um, they, 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 they are willing to take the risk, but they like to take a calculated version of the risk because um, they, they want to make sure this, 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 this situation is peaceful and this can be uh, evenly, evenly done. Um, okay. Lots of folks are still currently quite skeptical okay. about the polls taking space in place in the first place. Um, just to add some context, in the last three years, English-speaking Northwest and Southwest regions have left, clashes in those regions have left quite a few people dead and, and more than 700,000 people displaced. So, Oinko, any thoughts on this? On these sets of electoral brouhaha, crinkum crankum, if, uh, if we could say so. <laughs> brouhaha is the right word. Um, on Cameroon, it's funny, we have covered um, the situation in Cameroon quite a bit on the podcast and yeah. we've covered yeah. it from various angles we've covered it from the angle that yeah. their situation and everyday francophone versus anglophone they are fighting on the streets type situation and then we've also covered it from this from the point of view that it's really not as bad as it seems but then reading stories like this where you find out that people a lot of people die as a result of these clashes and a lot of people are displaced um, and even something as simple as a municipal election could be um a frictional event uh makes you have questions right so i guess i have questions we would have to see the outcome of the elections that happen on february 9th and um we have parts of africa hope to follow up with this story with updates once that election the municipal elections do take place um for Malawi and Namibia. I guess I'm not really surprised at the outcomes in these in both of these countries. I'm not surprised that um, they ruled that the electronic voting machines without a paper trail are invalid. And I'm also not surprised that people are using T-Text, essentially, which is the name of a correction fluid that we use a lot in secondary school, mm -hmm. high school in Nigeria, T-Text, to, to fix ballots, yeah. um, to change their votes. We, we didn't use it to fix ballots and second. Oh, no, we did not use it to fix ballots. Uh, no. no, I mean, just you know, make writing your notes, I guess, look nice. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah, yeah, but right. we did not fix ballots. Yeah. Correction. But something as simple as what we use in secondary school is what people are taking out to the, to the voting streets and to, to fix the results. I guess I'm not surprised in both cases, which is saddening because this type of thing should not be happening in 2020. And um, um, electronic voting machines should be sufficient in 2020. <laughs> you know, and TPEX should not continue in 2020. But I guess we'll just have to continue to watch and see what progress these countries can make in their election, uh, election process in the future. Absolutely. Well said, Madame. Would you like to take us to our one very positive story, sort of, of the day? Sort of. First of all, before I break into the story, I want to take five minutes to stare very deeply into the camera mm. for effect. Right? And imagine a very serious, uh, really, look on my face, because that was the look on my face when I saw the story. So, this story, this news update comes out of Equatorial Guinea. Equatorial Guinea donates two. Mm -hmm million dollars to help China combat the coronavirus. The government... Let me get an applause. Hey! Yeah, you're on your own with that one. Yeah, on your own. Mm. <laughs> I am sorry. I do not... <clears throat> yeah, uh, I can't. I can't. 
CACAP. But the government of Equatorial Guinea announced a solid solidarity um, words solidarity contribution of two million dollars to China over the rampaging coronavirus outbreak. The decision was reached just last week after a cabinet meeting that was chaired by President Obiang Ngoma Masogo, where the cabinet expressed solidarity and support for the Chinese government. Um, Gabriel Maga Obiang Mima, Minister, oh wow, I butchered that name completely. Yeah, yeah but I'm not. <laughs> like, where are you? Gabriel Maga Obiang. Stop, stop. Gabriel Maga. Gabriel Baga Obiangliba, as the best I could do. Minister of Mines, I'm, I'm so sorry. Minister of Mines and Hydrocarbons said about the gesture China has always been a very strong and loyal supporter of the Republic of Equatorial Guinea, and this contribution is a demonstration that Equatorial Guinea stands in solidarity with China and its people as it fights a global outbreak that has already cost too many lives. Our ongoing yeah. investment initiative will be a testament to the depth of our cooperation and relationship with China. It is a pleasure for Equatorial Guinea to support its partner in times of need. Mm. Added. Latest updates from the World Health Organization WHO indicates that the coronavirus, as of 6 a.m. Geneva time on February 5th, 2020, has affected 24, over 24,000 people in China, and there are 490 deaths. So I don't mean to, I'm not, I'm going to try and talk on the story without taking it lightly. The coronavirus is indeed something to be aware of and to be cautious about and to worry about. Um, and I sympathize with, uh, to, with the Chinese as they deal with this uh, outbreak. And it's even beginning to spread into some places in the US. And so it's a, it's a global situation, no doubt. However, I do have some concerns about um, this alliance, I guess, this contribution, because as many of you may know, Equatorial Guinea is one of the poorest African countries. I don't know if it is the poorest, but it's, it's definitely down that line. And they themselves, the citizens themselves are kind of, they, they have their own struggles, right? So I guess where, where I have concerns is why not use the money internally first? I don't understand why, take such a large amount of money for solidarity contribution to China um, when I don't think if the, if the reverse was the case, they would do the same for you. And now China is a much richer African country, said African, much myself an African country at this point, but China is a much richer country than Equatorial Guinea. So if the if reverse were the mm -hmm. case, they could definitely give $2 million, but Equatorial Guinea is not on the same playing field, I guess. So I don't, and especially if it's a decision that was just decided last week, it wasn't budgeted for, it wasn't planned, you know, and this is due to the nature of the virus, not, not necessarily the nature of the decision making, but I think there are more factors to be considered before dispensing that large amount of money. And I can't help but, but think modern, modern day slavery, my God, you know, like. Uh, uh, I, actually, I actually think, I actually agree with that decision. You do? Oh yeah. So so here's what I think it is. I think that I think that a lot of African countries are trying to posture themselves positively with relation to the Chinese government, right? Okay. The Chinese country trying to attract investment. So for them, they're looking at this two million 
as a gift that's not a big deal relative to how much they would likely if they could put i mean china has given far much more than that to many other african countries for a variety of reasons um and, and for them maybe it's a hey here's us posturing to make it seem like okay we we um we we are we are posturing so that we can you know essentially prove our relationship. One thing to notice clearly here is that the minister it is the minister of mines and hydrocarbons who was talking about this, yeah. um, and what is China quite uh, quite involved in either directly through the state or through private citizenry, and they're involved in mining operations and resource gathering from many African countries. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Can you guys see the dots? Yeah. Have you guys seen that that meme of like the guy wearing the little like uh, I don't know if it's like a dashiki hat and then his eyes are glowing? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's me right now. That's I'm like, mm. get the point. but but kind of not really. But I think I think there's some connection there. Um, I'm not. I'm a, I mean, this is definitely very. Take this with all with a very grain of salt. In fact, with a speck, with a sprinkle. I of think salt. it's very, very little salt. In fact, fat, my salt might be sugar because. <laughs> <laughs> Stop hating. Stop hating. You're right. Stop it's posturing, but I don't think. Yeah, I think it's posturing, but I don't. I don't know if there's a direct connection. But I think posturing for sure. They're, they're trying to posture, assuming that they'll get more money back. Which honestly, they probably will. Um, uh, not yeah, well, not not necessary to the people of Guinea, but some mixed pockets. Anyway, I gonna say nothing. Um, right, I just I don't think I don't see how. Well, I don't see how they're in a position to foster this much amount of money. I don't. Yeah, I don't quite understand it. You know, it's a very expensive posturing posturing gesture. Yeah. Quite uh, so, quite quite uh, expensive. Right? So yeah, you know. Maybe we'll cover some more about this story. Maybe we'll hear some more. Maybe it does affect them. Um, as of now, the coronavirus has not affected Equatorial Guinea. In fact, I think it's only it's only been noticed in Kenya so far, one African country um, or uh, one Af African citizen. Um, otherwise, if, if that was the case, if it was a situation of oh, there's some they've somehow gotten some citizens affected, I might see this one. Right now, that is not the case um, as the news currently stands. Yep, 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 yep. You are absolutely right. How about we shimmy shimmy on down south again, where we started today, um, to southern Africa. Precisely, South Africa. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, that's a good segue, by the way. I, I feel like I deserve some break. Never mind. No, never mind. Yeah, no. Anyways, I never, I never, nobody ever thanks. Okay. Um, so, a South African court has issued an arrest warrant for former President Jacob Zuma. A South African court has issued an arrest warrant for him for, for failure to appear in court um, on the grounds that he needed uh, medical treatments. His lawyer, Mr. Daniel Mancha, presented the documents from what he said was a military hospital to excuse his clients, but the judge questioned whether or not the note was even ever written by a doctor. Prosecutor said, it was a criminal offense not to fully explain an absence on medical grounds. So the people representing the states who are calling him to question, who are prosecuting uh, or exploring the prosecution of Jacob Zuma at this time, said that uh, he, the, the, the uh, lawyer, Mr. Mancha, representing Zuma, should tell him details, tell them details. Well, is he sick? What is he sick by? You know, why can't he actually be here? They've received scant details at this time. Uh, Zuma, uh, Joseph Zuma, was the president of of, uh, of South Africa for about nine years, from 2009 to 2018. He currently faces charges of fraud, racketeering, 
money laundering relating to a $2.5 billion deal to buy European military hardware for South Africa's uh, armed forces in the late 1990s. Uh, his legal team said that the former president had two operations at the beginning of January um, before going abroad, and that his illness was a matter of state security. Mm. Um, the arrest warrant, however, does not come into effect until the case is due to resume on the 6th of May this year. Um, courts just be chilling, don't they? they? They like take a break and they're like, ah, we'll be back in seven months. <laughs> back then, so you, you can't do anything about it. Like 6th of May. Anywho, um, his past court appearances have been marked by uh, defiant speeches, singing and, and dancing from crowds of supporters. Actually, I mean, to win president, you have to be well supported. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but those folks have unfortunately faded into the background um, as his legal challenges to the corruption charges have faltered. He's 78 year old and he denies all of the charges against him. He has alleged his case is prejudiced by lengthy delays in bringing the matter to trial and political interference. Prosecutors threw out the charges nearly decades ago in a contentious decision that opened the way for him actually to become president. They then returned to the case after his presidency. He was ousted in 2018 after a bitter internal battle in the ruling party, the ANC, the ANC, African National Congress, and amid public outrage over separate allegations of mismanagement and graft that severely affected a lot of state-owned companies. If you remember state-owned companies, we talked about the electricity situation. This is one of them. Um, But uh, in, in a public hearing, he denied that he presided over an immense system of corruption and patronage that drained billionaires, billions, billions, didn't drain billionaires, but drain billions, made billionaires, but drain billions from the country's exchequer, which is the country's account, basically. And was told that he, and he told the inquiry that he was a victim of a plot by foreign intelligence agencies who seek his downfall. The classic line of a corrupt, unfortunately, leader. However, it has not been confirmed. It is, of course, very, all of it is alleged. All I'm saying is that that line has been used before. Um, corruption definitely was identified in, in, in the in the government during his presidency, and now it seems yep. like the the uh, chicken has come home to roost. However, the question is: Has Mr. Zuma escaped? Um, is he really ill? Find out next time on Let's Save Africa. Right, J.K. But really, um, continue, please. Yeah, President President Jacob Zuma has had a contentious presidency while he was presented now outside can always be liking to lead robert mugabe did you um, our african presidents just be doing their own damn thing but um yeah we just continue to follow the story and see what it is because all of this is alleged so yeah it's all alleged and we're, we're just waiting it's just it's just kind of quite stuck for them to have issued it i mean so they have a an arrest warrant issued by the country for a former president is um <laughs> And I thought it was funny that his illness was a matter of state security. Security, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I almost could see, like, I'm trying to understand how that could be the case, but one, I'm not a lawyer. Ooh, actually, it would be nice if we, like, brought a lawyer on the yeah. just discuss pressing questions and things like that. So, okay, awesome. I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think about it. Think about it. Yeah, um, I thought that was awesome. Funny. Yeah, awesome. Say what? Sauce. You want to go into our final story of the evening, madame? Yes, final story comes from West Africa, our very own Nigeria. Wait, where's that from? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. 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 So the story is that Lagos states, Lagos states, Lagos states bans. 
Lagos State bans Okada Riders. Now, for hmm. some of you who don't know, Okada Riders. What you say? What is an Okada? Interrupting me. An Okada is a commercial motorcycle and tricycles that are used in the city. They are used as a form of transportation um, around the city, especially because Lagos State is very congested. So people use this as a cheaper, less expensive option for getting through the city in a shorter amount of time um, rather than waiting in traffic. Um, and this can usually be um, prevented by using the Okadas. The ban on these commercial motorcycles and tricycles Okadas in the city went into effect on the 1st of February and prohibits drivers of these vehicles from using a number of major routes in the city, uh, a city that has a population of more than 20 million. Non-commercial mm -hmm. motorbike bike, bikes are also banned in these areas. Only company delivery bikes are allowed, and even then, some of them are being harassed on the road. Commuters were left stranded over the weekend and during Monday's rush hour as they struggled to get onto packed public transport. Other people who were stuck on in the legendary Lagos go slow for hours trying to get to work shared their stories on social media. Commercial motorcycles, as we mentioned, have become a really popular way to avoid congested Lagos roads in recent years. It has become a boom industry with the, rise, with the rising number of motorcycle hailing startup companies, so like Ubers, but for the Okadas for the motorcycles, such as Max.ng, O-Ride, a subsidiary of Chinese Back OK, and Gokada. In spite of the ban and the restriction of commercial motorcycles and tricycles by the Lagos State Government, the usual traffic congestion in the metropolis continued on Monday. A correspondent of the news agency of Nigeria in Lagos reports that, that there were no significant difference in the traffic situation in the metropolis compared to when the operators were not banned. NAN, the news agency of Nigeria, reports that the gridlock along Lagos Abiyokuta Expressway, Agege Motor Road, Osho Solo, and some other parts of the state continued. Oh, I saw Some other parts of the states continued. Um, so I don't really understand the intention behind banning Okadas. Like this article already mentioned, um, like what we've already read already mentioned, they become a staple in the states and not just in the state but in other states in nigeria and they are much less expensive than every other form of transportation they take up less space and which is typically why they're preferred now um, counter arguments might state that they're dangerous and indeed there's sometimes some danger but that is usually in terms of the the rider the person that's driving or powering the Okadas because it depends on how careful they are, how how lax they are and how you know dangerous they are on the road more than more so than the motorcycles themselves. I think a better approach that the Lagos State government could have taken would be would have been to impose stricter rules for these Okadas um, and um, consequences, grave consequences if these rules were not followed. Maybe even um, imposing like a an association like they have for the local taxes for these Okadas. Now, there might already be one, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure, but something like that where they can get to voice their own complaints to the Lagos State government and the Lagos State government can take that into effect to improving congestion and just transportation on the roads by the Okadas and by other motor vehicles um, around the city. It's interesting to note that these this ban does not only affect the people that 
the writers, the non-commercial writer, writer, writers or maybe commercial writers, the people that are not tied to a company and who are just doing this for a source of income. It also affects other companies that have these Okadas as delivery people or um, or use them in other, in other various ways around the city. And it also really does affect a large population of people trying to get to work, <laughs> period, you know. Um, Many of us who are Lagosians have a story of maybe being in a car, being stuck in traffic for a number of hours and just decide, okay, I'll heal an Okada and I'll get there. And they will, you know, and they'll get there prior to even before the traffic is done with, you know. So they have been a, they have been a, a, a they've been a stable and they've been really helpful, I think. Um, and I think, I don't know why they decided to impose this ban. Like, obviously, it's not to prevent congestion because the idea would be like if people are not riding Okadas, then maybe they were forced to go and go into their own cars yeah, and try to work, which causes more congestion and does not limit congestion. Yeah, you know, so, or or we go and take more buses, which causes more buses to be on the road rather than less because the people are still there, <laughs> whether or not there's a ban. The people are still there and they still need to get work. People need to get work regardless. <laughs> Yeah, and if they're, they're going to, they need to get back, regardless of if there's a ban or not. So limiting number of vehicles, of motorcycles on the road, I don't see how that solves the issue of congestion. So I think that, I think that, I'm one, I'm hoping they reverse the ban. I think it was implemented in an unusual way. I think the, the Lagos state government has identified people who just grab bikes and essentially say, oh yeah, uh, up and start being a transporter as security risk um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the states, which you could make a case for, of course. But the, the blanket ban, even banning organizations like Max, uh, Max and then uh, Max Okada and then Ma ba Gokada um, or O-Ride, I believe. Uh, you know, it's, it's your, then you're, 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 you're banning the organizations that are also doing the right thing and trying to, you know, segment and, and formalize this industry and make it accessible and all of this, the right things um, that's what happened. Especially because a lot of these people have recently seen, recently seen a lot of invest, foreign investment coming. Now, I have two theories, right? And these are very, very you know, rough sketch. None of it is confirmed, but I'm concerned that it's one, one of two things is happening. One, either the government is trying to force people towards um, one, if but the government is actually serious about, hey, we want to reduce traffic because the Lagos government has effectively tried to ban Okada's almost every administration for the past yeah. maybe four administrations. It's always happened at one point or another. Initially, you know, you don't see them around very much and then eventually they're right back to where they were driving around and it's, it's not enforced. It's not, enforcement usually just tapers off eventually. Um, but if, if that is actually the case, um, you think the city would actually finish projects like the Lagos Road project that they've been finishing, honestly, since like 2012 at this point. Um, it, and it's not, to be honest, it's not a particular road line, which is what just frustrates people like me. I'm watching projects like that stall and hold and just kind of hang out there forever. The other back end to it, the back end to it is that, okay, if you have, if you have, the other theory is that, hey, all these, all these uh, organizations that were mobilizing the uh, Okada industry, um, we're, we're essentially causing some uh, friction within the upper echelon of government because then you're hearing that all these government, all these companies are raising a lot of money in, in large rounds, mm -hmm. right? And then they don't, they didn't necessarily invest in their relationship. That's how I'm going to put to invest in their relationship because that's another theory that's going around. These are not personal theories; these are just things 
um, people that are far more knowledgeable of me are, are supposing or, 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 or evaluating. But looking at it under those two lens, you start to see that, hey, one, um, one the, the government really can, it's not friendly to business, right? There's no way you see the amount of investment coming into that realm, the formalization of that industry, and you think that this is right to make. However, however, let me put this caveat. I think that if things play out right, it might actually end up being better for some of these companies. Now, given there's some rumors around that companies like uh, Gokada have already laid off huge amounts of staff and things of that nature, um, I, they're unconfirmed. They may be precisely true, but I don't know yet. Um, I think that if you've already laid off, I personally think that if you've already laid off all your staff within two days of such an announcement, you're probably going to lay off your staff and anyway. something else has come. And there's no, the lack of resilience is concerning on the backside for all of those who um, think that it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's just purely because of the bank. I don't think that would be the case. The other thing is that Max, um, the, the organizations that are, are fighting it, that seem to be out there, I've seen uh, the, chief, the CEO of Max Okada making a lot of public statements going around and speaking on to me, actually benefit from this and that. It's giving them a broad up, it's giving them free press effectively. Like a lot of these uh, guys, are, or a lot of the news agencies are going to invite them to speak to make their case for why their solution actually makes Lagos safer and better and et cetera and et cetera. And hopefully um, that reaches the right say and then the ban can potentially be reverted or, or just adjusted so that folks like that are in a poor position to expand, to grow their resources, to grow their operations and to then be the primary source to which these things can happen so they can use it as an opportunity to scale up. Um, yeah, I suspect that's what's going to happen if they hold on, they hold in tight there. Of course, if you're running a business and they basically say your business is banned, it's quite a big shock to hear and definitely affects your business operations. However, one, I don't think you will live after less than a week. I think the ban, the ban went into effect February 1st. Um, anybody has announced that they're done with operations by this week is what's probably going to be done. I've been waiting for a reason to be done with operations for a while. That's, that's my three and a half cents on this. Um, the second thing I'm going to say is that here's an opportunity for them to take advantage of, of, um, of, 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 of all the press and the spotlight and hopefully can leverage things backwards in the right direction. Now, finally, for my folks starting companies in, on the African continent, I think it's important to factor in some cost for lobbying either by grouping a bunch of you startup founders and startup entrepreneurs together to, to lobby governments to, to make decisions in your favor to avoid detrimental decisions, or at least to give you a space in the room when those decisions are making. In advanced societies like the American society, and even prior to when they were advanced, um, there have always been relationships between the government and, and entrepreneurs and companies. Um, some people may say like it's a bad thing, but the truth is that that is really the only protection you have from the whimsical nature oftentimes of, of government policy and government decision making. Um, having a strong network of, of, of lobbyists and lobbying, um, I think is something that needs to be invested in, especially in the Nigerian space. And I think that that's how, hopefully, and this is me, you know, just ruminating and looking at what has worked in other societies and uh, is hoping that those lobbies um, can effectively push things in the right direction. Of course, I'm sure there are already lobbies um, that are altering things one way or another, but I think that uh, uh, that has to be factored into both the cost and the, the strategy regarding required to do business on the African continent. So um, that's just my two cents. Anko, um, final thoughts? No, no final thoughts. I think you covered that quite well. Yeah, I ate it up. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, friends, 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 this has been your friends, Akande Adirili and Oinkonsola. You want to say bye-bye and also give them the sign-up, tell them all the places to find us.
And this has been your girl, Oyin Adirli. You can find us on all social media platforms. Yes, that is mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can also yeah. just at our website at saveafricapod.com. Um, you can yeah. contact us yeah. there. You can view more, Tell them about the Patreon. more details about our news stories. And mm-hmm. listeners, there is a way for you to, uh, for you to support us directly. You can, um, you can find us on Patreon patreon.com slash Africa, and there you can choose to support a great cause which is our podcast by by being regular patrons so what a patron does is pledges an amount of money per month it can be as little as one dollar and it can be as high as you like we appreciate any help that you can and each time you pledge on a particular level we also promise you something in return. Now, we're not going to spoil the surprises and sell the promises here. You have to go on Patreon to find out. But we do ask mm-hmm. that you please check us out on Patreon. We look forward to engaging with you on that platform in a deeper level. That is the, another point for that um, platform. And we look forward to seeing how together as listeners and our podcast, we can scale up and continue to build this relationship. Yeah. Thank you so much for supporting us. We appreciate you. And we're incredibly grateful that you're listening and tuning every week. And your support means the world away to us. Um, we truly hope that you consider us also for putting your, your money where your ears are, I would say. Um, we truly appreciate what you help us do. Running an, an, a podcast is certainly not an expect expensive. We invested this as a product of our passion for the past three years, and we just Truly appreciate you supporting us so far, and we look forward to you supporting. If you're unable to give us money, please share our episodes, share us on Instagram, share share our websites, give us the traffic, and I think it would help us in the future to leverage into additional opportunities. And if you're able to support through through, through finances and funds, we we thank you immensely. We are unbelievably grateful for your support. And um, yeah, guys, this is this is us. Yeah. Also, don't forget to like. Rate, review us on all platforms that you use, be it Apple Podcasts, yeah. be it Spotify, whichever way you can review. Please do. Please do. Any comments that you have on SoundCloud, Twitter, or mm-hmm. Facebook, anywhere, please like, rate, review, and put the word out, guys. I appreciate it. Yes, yes, excellent. Well, thank you so very much, and guys, we will talk to you later. Cheers. Bye.